Almighty God, we are happy. We are happy to be here in your house, and we rejoice that you are here with us. Move among us as we gather in your name. Be with us as we praise and adore and worship you. We pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, today we will focus on the 48th Psalm. It's a community hymn, a song of Zion. In the Old Testament days, our, our single book of the 150 Psalms was actually divided into about five books. And the, this one is in that second book. Many of the Psalms in that second section of Psalms are lament. 21 out of, or 20 out of 31 or more. That is, laments or complaints or cries for help. There's several psalms that interrupt those laments. There's one that's a royal psalm, an ode for a royal wedding. Well, we see those on TV once in a while, right? Uh, the 47th psalm is an enthronement psalm. It's about God's rule over all the nations. Uh, the one after this, 49, is a wisdom psalm about the folly of trusting in riches. Oh, I just put all my trust in money. No, 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 that's not going to work. The 50th Psalm is another community hymn about what is acceptable sacrifice. I'll give you a hint. Acceptable sacrifice to God is giving thanks. And then we return, they return to the laments. For example, uh, the 51st Psalm is a famous and familiar one about praying for cleansing and pardon. That create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. So in that context of all those other psalms, this one, 48, sings of the glory and the strength of Zion. Well, Zion is a Hebrew word that it may mean fortress, it may mean citadel, we don't really know the exact meaning, but it's come to refer to different aspects of Jerusalem. Could be the city itself or the Temple Mount or in the New Testament, well, the New Testament talks about the new heavenly Jerusalem. Or in Hebrews 11, Paul describes the faith of Abraham. He says, Abraham looked forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. Or for that matter, the 21st chapter of Revelation starts off, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Well, as we read Psalm 48, one thing to notice that is that in the second verse, the city is a source of joy. That's great. But a little later on, fifth or sixth verse or so, it's a cause for panic and trembling. It gets different responses. So listen now for God's word for us in Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within its citadels, God has shown himself a sure defense. Then the kings assembled and they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight, trembling, took hold of the men. There were pains 
as of a woman in labor, as when an east wind shatters the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God establishes forever. We ponder your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. Your name, O God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with victory. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go all around it. Count its towers. Consider well its ramparts. Go through its citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What are you, what are you telling the next generation? Children are often curious and sometimes express that curiosity in ways that would be considered rude if they were adults. When I was maybe three, close to four, I observed that my mother's father had no hair on his head at all. So I asked him how he became bald. Granted, what happened to all your hair? Well, he smiled and explained to his little grandson this way. Your grandmother pulled out all my hair. <laughs> well, that was in the living room, so I left my grandfather sitting in his recliner, and I strolled back in the kitchen, and I asked Grandma, why, oh why, did you pull out all of Granddaddy's hair? <laughs> Sounded painful to me. Well, she never did say, but I do recall her tone, her volume, and her face when she asked her husband, T.C. Johnson, what kind of tales are you telling this boy? <laughs> What are you, what am I, what are we, what are we telling the next generation? Well, that question arises in the last verses of our text for today, Psalm 48. But to answer it, well, we need to look at the rest of the psalm. This psalm praises a city, Jerusalem. If we were to uh, place a doubled version of that, you know, the word association game, and I said city, what pair of words what pop into your mind? Hustle and bustle? Polluted and polluting? Crowded and lonely? Corrupt and corrupting? Wealthy and expensive? Poor and impoverished? Raleigh and Durham? <laughs> Smithfield and Four Oaks? <laughs> McGee's Crossroad and Benson? <laughs> What would pop into your mind? Well, would you have good words for cities? Would we brag of the past or tout some vague promises about the city's future? 
You know, if we get Amazon, we're going to be a big deal, right? <laughs> what words, what words would come to mind if you got real specific and said, Jerusalem? Well, Tim, let me tell you a little bit of what Stephen Prothero as a professor who's written a book on religious literacy. Along the way, he talks about Jerusalem. He writes, Jerusalem is mentioned more than 600 times in, in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Jerusalem is a sacred place for Jews, for Christians, and for Muslims. It's a magnet for pilgrimage and tourism, and unfortunately these days we'd have to add for terrorism. As much of an idea as a reality, Jerusalem is built on the metaphor of exile and return and on the blood of Jewish and Christian and Muslim martyrs who fought to control that city during the Crusades especially, Middle Ages. Its many holy places include for Jews the remains of the Western Wall and of that second temple. For Christians, the Via Della Rosa, along which Jesus walked to his crucifixion, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, on which the site on which, according to tradition, Jesus was buried, where he would have been resurrected. Muslims consider Jerusalem sacred because it's, by their tradition, it's where the angel Gabriel took Muhammad on his famed night journey from a, a mosque in Mecca to the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem and then to the heavens to converse with prior prophets and to learn how to pray. And lately, well, lately Jerusalem's been on the news as our country has moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to this city with strong ties to three faiths and many, many factions. I brought a map here. Well, I'll mention that a little later, I guess. The, the writer of Psalm 48 refers to Jerusalem as Zion, and he sees Zion, and we sang about Zion a while ago, not just as special, but as holy. Well, let's consider the psalm really in, in four, its four parts. The first three verses talk about the glories of Mount Zion and celebrate those. Verses four through eight talk about the invincibility. This town cannot be taken over. The 9th through 11th verses are where the congregation celebrates. And then in the last two verses, there's an invitation to walk around Zion and to tell the next generation something. When those first verses where the glories of Mount Zion are celebrated, notice that the city is great, not because, oh, what a pretty city, you know, they've got a shutter, shimmer wall or they've got gold domes or whatever. It's special because of God's presence. The very first phrase in the psalm is about God, not about the city. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city. <coughs> the city is called God's holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, joy of all the earth. Can you think of any city in our country where you'd say it's the joy of all the earth? Well, then the psalmist takes a little more, takes a little poetic license, I would say, with the compass. He calls Mount Zion in the far north. Well, check out the map. <coughs> I know you can't. I can't read these little words from right here. I know you can't, but if you find the Dead Sea, 
We'll look at this side. If you find the Dead Sea right here and the top of it, and you come over about 20 miles to the west, about 30 miles from Mediterranean, there's Jerusalem. The far north, Zaphon they refer to, it's way up here in Phoenicia. So, no, this is not a geography psalm. It's a concept psalm. Well, before the children of Israel conquered the promised land, the Canaanites lived there, and they and others worshipped Baal, or if you really want to say it the way they do now, Baal. But anyway, Baal was uh, thought to reside on Mount Zaphon, which is, in, as I pointed out, in Phoenicia, north of Palestine. In fact, that, the Hebrew word for north eventually became Zaphon. So make no mistake about it. He's talking about Jerusalem, city of the great king. Well, in the next verses, Zion or Jerusalem's invincibility, its impregnability is celebrated. These verses describe war as kings assembled. They came in together, but as soon as they saw it, panicked. They took off trembling like a woman in labor. Or as when the east wind shatters the ships of Tarshish. Have you ever been that scared? Have you ever trembled and shaken like that? A couple of years ago, we were talking about the 27th Psalm. You may remember I told you my wood burner story. <laughs> I had this device some adults had given me. It was a craft tool. It looked like a big pen with a little cork place to hold it so you didn't burn your hand. And then a wire that you go plug in. And that when the heating element was hot, you could transfer gold from foil to a leather book. You could burn a pattern or your initials or something into wood. It was a craft thing, popular then. Well, I went to plug that in one time. And I, you know how sometimes you go to plug something in, a spark shoots out, pop. I had that experience. I happened to be next to the gas heater. You know, those old things go shh next to my bed and a flame popped out. That little spark ignited whatever little leak was on that. So I shouted to my parents, it was a Saturday, so they were both there. And I ran downstairs and my dad said, hold the fire department. Well, you may not believe this, but in those days you had dial phone and you, you didn't go punch punch, you didn't go 911. You dialed, oh, for operator. Well, the thing is, I was so scared. I was so frightened by this flame all over my room. I was, I'd run down, and you only had one phone in the house. It was downstairs. I was too scared. My hands were shaking too much to dial zero. So my mother took over. We seem to have a fire in the house. <laughs> Well, you know, it wasn't exactly my fault. I mean, I just plugged in something the way it was supposed to be used. And it was given to me by adults. You don't have to be Alex Trebek to see the word burn is right in the middle of it. Wood burner. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee it burns wood for the longest time. That night, that night table next to my bed was 
scarred by this big black mark where that flame had shot out. Fortunately, nothing caught a fire. My father grabbed a towel and slid it over the, the gas. I decided he was one of the bravest people out there. <laughs> but that's when I'm shaking. And I'm sure you've been in some situation where you were so scared you shook. That's the way the psalmist says they shook. Well, the city was so unbeatable, it was scary. Again, not because they had this big army or defensive structures, but because it was the, the city of the Lord of hosts, the city of our God, who establishes it forever. Well, the celebration of Zion being so strong that attackers beheld it and fled is not tied to some historic event. It's more to proclaim God's divine protection for the people there. Similarly, this, those ships of Tarshish, they wouldn't have attacked that Jerusalem. I just told you it was 30 miles, it was 20 miles from the Dead Sea and 30 miles, and they didn't have anything that would shoot that, that far in those days. So they didn't have to worry about those ships. Well, the 9th through 11th verses celebrate, well, the congregation celebrates, and for the first time in the psalm, God gets addressed directly. We ponder your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple, your name, O God, like your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with victory. Let Mount Zion be glad. This is worship in God's house, in those days the temple, the right response to God's steadfast love is thankful worship, thankful, happy, rejoicing praise that reaches to the ends of the earth. And then in that last section, the last three verses, there's an invitation to walk around Zion. Walk about Zion, go around it, count the towers, consider its ramparts, go through its citadels. These verses say to walk around and inspect the city for a reason. That you may be able that you may tell the next generation. And what is the next generation to be told? That this is our God, our God forever and ever. That God will be our guide forever. Whenever I open a, a congregational meeting or a session meeting with prayer, you'll notice I always ask for God's guidance and I pray that the decisions we make will be in accord with God's will. As we go about our daily lives, you and I, we need both guidance and the guide. Psalm 48 tells us we can count on both, that God is our God, not for a little while, not as long as we're good enough. God is our guide forever and ever. So there's no need to pull out anyone else's hair, like my grandma, <laughs> or your own or anybody else's. That guidance that guide, that's what we need to tell. That's what we need to tell the next generation. Thanks be to God. As you go from this place, whether you're headed for the city or the country, know that wherever you go, you have guidance from the one who made you, who knows all about you and loves you anyway. So don't keep it to yourself. 
with what you do and with what you say, tell the next generation. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and every moment of your life. Amen.